Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, the forward-thinking podcast for dental professionals. Join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry, clinical tips, continuing education, and adding value to your life and career with your host, Jazz Gulati. Hello everyone, this is Jazz Gulati here. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And thank you just generally for all the lovely words of encouragement and support I've been getting so far. It's been so much fun doing this and, I, and I've recorded quite a few episodes now. I'm just finding the time to edit it really. So today it's a, it's a really great episode. Uh, whether you're you know driving on a journey in a commute or having a cup of coffee listening to this, I think this is going to be really helpful to people listening out there, to young dentists, but also to experienced dentists. This is all about a transition a change, a change from whichever environment you're at the moment to a different environment of, let's say, clinical dentistry or a place in life you want to be. And typically, you know, the the crossroad you find is, uh, or or a decision you have to make is uh, a transition from NHS dentistry, for example, or whatever type of of practice you're at the moment, to something better, be it private or in in a mixed position or or somewhere with a better mentor. So today is all about uh, an interview with Drew, and we really do discuss a few stepstones and a few ideas of how the young dentist or even the experienced dentist can, can make a change from what they're practicing at the moment to where they want to practice. It's interesting. I was on Facebook and I was reading uh, one of the sort of uh, dentistry groups there are and someone made a comment uh, in a thread about, you know, being an associate versus being a principal. And the comment was from a principal who said that, I think associates are lacking ambition nowadays. Okay, so fair enough, but uh, I'll rephrase it for you. Okay, what do you call an ambitious associate? Okay. It's called a principle, right? So I think all principles have to accept the associate mindset, okay? That they're not going to be as... Uh, I, w- I would even say that associates cannot be as ambitious as a principle. You totally can be. It's just a different set of circumstances, different places in life, uh, uh, whether you want to be a leader... Uh, of a practice in that sense and whether you want to own a business run a business so i i you know just because you're not a principal doesn't mean you 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 can't be ambitious and that's sort of uh, one thing i want to discuss about today but for um associates i want want to give them a, a, a bit of a tip as well as an associate myself i like to think that i still do my best and i i sort of treat the business as if it's my own as well within reason i think when an associate really really cares for that practice and cares for that business and looks out looks after materials and uh, and helps to lift the practice morale and even contributes outside of the working hours in, in any way at all i think it's really really important to do that to show you're, you are a team player because ultimately the success of the business success of the practice of the practice is your success as an associate as well so i i do think associates if you think that you're just there to do a nine to five and come back and you're not really doing anything to to market your practice or to support the principal then i think you know that's not really cool you've got to up your game but principles you got to make sure that the relationship exists for your associates to be able to to be ambitious in their own way and get rewarded for it in some way or another. Today's Protrusive Dental Pearl relates to this episode and basically it's primarily to associates but there's a bit for the principal here as well, okay? So I see this scenario quite a lot. Uh, the pearl is this basically. I see this, I'll put it through as a, in a form of a scenario and I see it quite a lot, okay? Let's say you're doing a postgraduate degree in orthodontics, for example, okay? You've just started it, you're, you're learning quite advanced level now and you're hoping to start some, you know, complex cases. The only problem is that 
you've got all these uh, lists of materials to buy. You know, I've got these pliers, all these different arch wires, nitrite, stainless steel, uh, different types of uh, bendy things, elastics, all sorts. Okay, and you're in your in your in your need, and you've got some patience. You may have some patients who have agreed to go ahead with treatment, and you're excited. It's uh, it's it's boding really well for your sort of clinical education for, towards your degree, because uh, you know experience is so so important. If you go on any course and you don't implement it, then you don't really learn anything from it. It's the same with any postgraduate degrees. You've got to be implementing in practice. So let's say you've got patients lined up, ready to go, except you can't carry on, you can't proceed because you've now sent a, an email to your practice manager and principal or you told them face to face all the codes of all the materials that you need and they're sort of reviewing it, they're umming and ahhing uh, and they might say no or for whatever reason or they might say okay let us think about it, let's discuss it at this next staff meeting, you know it's a thousand pounds worth of equipment uh, and you know what, I think they're within their right to, to not hastily buy things if you know associates nowadays can come and go and imagine investing so much in an associate and you know the next month they're gone or whatever you know not not that you know this happens often or commonly or maybe it does I'm not really sure what the what, what experiences um, principals have had out there but I totally get it when an associate goes in a, in a new course uh, and they have this uh, new list of you know get me this articulator so I can do this sort of cases or you know all the materials I mentioned and suddenly the principals have turned around and say no or just wait a moment or wait for the right time wait for a few months uh, so it, it puts the associate in a difficult position because you've got these all these cases ready to go right well associates listen go ahead and buy those materials yourself okay it's going to be tax deductible firstly so the sting is not as much okay and the most important thing is you get to start treatment now okay you get to get the benefit of the increased revenue but more importantly the educational benefit is so so important and it's important to start, start now not tomorrow not in a month okay if the only thing holding you back from implementing new knowledge is materials that your sort of principal or your practice manager has to has to approve and that's slowing you down you need to just you know, just bite, bite, your, bite the bullet and bite yourself, okay? Then, after you've done a few cases, you increase your revenue, okay? And then you can actually present evidence to your principal and say, look, I've done so many cases, you know, I've, I've proved that I can do it. I'm excited and ready to do some more cases. Can you kindly now consider buying me all these materials ASAP? You know, I don't think a principal who's worth their salt would, would, would say no. Okay, and if you work for a corporate, it's the same. If you can prove that you can bring a return on investment, right? Then I think any principal, any corporate would would say yes to you. So I'm hoping that associates are not finding themselves in situations uh, such as this too many times. But if that's holding you back, okay, you need to act now by yourself. Start the cases, learn, enrich your mind, enrich your wallet, so that you can then invest further. Okay, so that's my Prelusive Dental Pearl today. I think it ties in really well. I hope that uh, point comes, comes across and it's actually a real life scenario for a lot of people that I meet. So let's join the interview with Drew Shah now. We've got some really great gems in here. Uh, I think it's going to help a lot of dentists, whether you're from the UK or from the US or wherever, basically, because, you know, for example, in the USA, although you don't have the NHS, you know, you may be a dentist who's looking to work in a better practice in terms of being less based around insurance, for example, uh, and changing the environment. So this episode is all about how you can bring about that change 
what steps I think, what steps Drew thinks are necessary. We've all been through this journey ourselves and, and Drew's helped so many people with this. So um, I think you're gonna love this. So let's have a listen. Um, Drew, you're, you know, you're a man who needs no introduction. Uh, you're you know, obviously a f- the founder of Dental and Tubules. It's doing awesome. It's one of the things, one of the reasons I got involved was you know, because of your sheer inspiration. Uh, and the reason I wanted to speak to you about this topic was I'm pretty sure that you know, in the UK, you're probably someone who's helped the most amount of people with this, you know, topic that we're going to be discussing today, which is transitioning into private practice. And I'm pretty sure you've, you know, mentored or helped either through tubules or, you know, giving up your own time or mentoring. You've helped people into private practice. I mean, would you say, would you say that's, would you think that's fair to say? It's, uh, I, I would hope so. I mean, I've, I, I have helped people with gaining the right skills, perhaps, you know, in the right direction. Um, I've never actively ever pushed people to say go into private practice, but I have always tried to encourage people to deliver good quality patient care. And with the system we are in now, I think uh, invariably that's where it lands up that they end up in private practice because that's where they can deliver that kind of care. Now, uh, I think that's a sensible way to go. Yeah, so private practice is like like a surrogate outcome of you know, getting people to do be the best dentists they can be, right? Correct. That's uh, I think that's the best way to put it. Actually, it is. It is that, and uh, ultimately, that's that's what you know. That's what we're about. We we're about looking after patients, and if something stops you, you've got to find a way in which you can do it better. That's that's true. But the, I think we have to just start off by saying that you know, ha, you know, this is not slagging off the NHS. Okay, I mean, this is this is mm. not what this podcast is about, right? We're not we're not here to slag off the no. NHS uh, and condemn no. everyone who works within it. I think the NHS has its place, and and those who work in mixed practice with NHS, I mean, they do an amazing job. Um, I, I tried it; I certainly couldn't do it as well as they can. Um, and you know, not not everyone, not every young dentist listening to this needs to feel as though they need to be in private practice. I think should we just clear that out first? Yes, absolutely. I think uh, it's a good thing to say that uh, yes, they do. It's not, but that's where. I- I always sort of say, you know, it's not about private practice. It's about delivering good care. And if, you know, if you feel that you're comfortable delivering it within the system of NHS with the practice you are, then you don't have to go private ultimately. Um, it's what you feel comfortable as, as, a, as, as an individual. It's what you feel happier as an individual. Um, private care isn't about, you know, a lot of people think when you talk private dentistry, a lot of people think, oh, that's a, a higher level of dentistry. They, they think of Facebook dentistry. They think of Facebook dentistry. <laughs> they think of smile, smile designs. Um, they, think of, they think of the fact that oh, I've got to charge more. I mean, I know people who said, you know, I've never done private dentistry because I feel I'm not worth that extra charge money. And I said, that's not private dentistry. You charge more maybe because you take more time, but private dentistry is actually just doing the same thing, just that sometimes you feel I can spend a bit more time maybe doing this and therefore I feel better. I mean, if you think I'm a very slow worker, it takes me, you know, I'm not the fastest uh, person in, in the book, no doubt, but private dentistry for me is about that time. Now, a lot of people, I worked in the NHS for a few years after graduating, and I know a lot of practitioners who were in the big practice I was in. Uh, and, and, and they were also very, you know, very good at delivering it. They didn't think that they needed to go to private industry. And I think that misconception has to be changed. Um, 
like you say, you know, it's not Facebook dentistry. It's doing the bog standard basic daily work. And doing it the best yeah. you can. And, but, you know, I mean, you have to say that, you know, when I was um, in, in DF1 or just out of dental school, um, I had this, um, you know, preconception that a, a private dentist or private dentistry, if you like, is like, uh, it's, it's always going to be awesome. Like if, if, if I thought, all right, someone's had this done privately, then it must have been just amazing. Uh, it's not, I mean, you know more than anyone. That's just far from the truth, right? Uh, there's plenty of amazing work that's done on the Nash uh, and and some plenty of uh, shoddy work done privately. But on the whole, you'd think that the people, the type of dentists that go into private practice, they're able to spend more time on it and thus you know, time is such an crucial factor when you're delivering good, bespoke, quality dental care. Yeah, it's, it's 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 that. I mean, you know, I can expand that a little bit more. I know we're talking NHS and private, and I know we're talking that that's something very UK specific, right? Exactly. But it's if you think about it, if if people think a bit sort of thinking wider, and uh, you bring a, a slightly different topic of dental tourism into this, so you're talking about. Uh, you know, people going off to Eastern Europe or Turkey or or other countries to have their dental treatment done. And we get this misconception in the same way that, oh, they're going to those countries. It must be crap dentistry, but it's mm. not. And it's the same thought process that, again, it boils down to there are certain clinics out there that just deliver top quality of care. It has an attention to detail. That isn't about private dentistry. It's the focus is back to where we start, which is quality of care. And, and, and the quality of care is what ultimately we are aiming for. And it's finding the solution to that. Now, a lot of people move into private dentistry because they're not constrained by two things. One is the time and the second. Well, you're still constrained by time. You can't spend forever on something. Exactly. Um, you know. You know, but the time constraints are different. And the c contract. And the second thing is regulation. And the contract, re regulation. You know, NHS is, is getting more and more bureaucratic. And, uh, and and I think that's where the frustrations lie sometimes. I understand that. You know, you know, Drew, when I, when I see those Facebook posts saying, uh, am I allowed to claim this or am I allowed to claim that? Or is this material allowed? I'm so glad I don't have to deal with that BS anymore. <laughs> yeah, you can say that. You know, the other day somebody was talking about a course of how to, you know, we're running a BDA course or something about how to claim and understand the system and people saying different things, you know, why do they why do people have to pay for this course? Surely if they work in the system it's paid for free. I said the most disappointing thing about this is people working in the system have to spend time away learning about the system when they should be <laughs> learning about the skills and knowledge to be able to deliver better patient outcomes. You know, I mean, that's that that's well said. To, you know, you, that's what I've stood for for the last ten years. I mean, I worked within the hospital and not criticizing the hospital, but I almost quit dentistry because of the bureaucratic nightmare that the hospitals used to be. And I understand they're they're mm -hmm. probably even more bureaucratic now. I guess it's not easy for anybody to function within that, and that's not how you look after patients. It it, it kind of you know, pardon French, but it pisses me off. Yeah, mm. <laughs> we're here to look after patients, cut the paperwork bullshit out and let us get on with the work we do. So, Drew, let's just, you know, dive into that. That's exactly why I wanted to, uh, when, when I came back from Singapore, I wanted to only look at private practices and uh, when I was looking for a job uh, and you know you were amazing in terms of helping me as well you you put me in the right contacts and uh, you know I now work in yeah. fully private practice in three clinics and I'm, and I'm very 
happy now with the balance I have and I certainly wouldn't be able to do the treatments I'm doing now if I was um, sort of uh, bounded by a contract or certainly I wouldn't be able to do it ethically uh, me this is me I know some yeah. people can but this is I'm talking about in the individual level uh, and it, it's interesting because when I was um, getting advice from you Drew um, I had like a little bit of like an imposter syndrome going on this time last year uh, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know if you remember I was messaging you and I was like Drew I don't think I can do this like are you, are you sure you think I'm good enough and uh, I had that and certainly when I look back on it now one year later um I'm. I was totally good enough. I, I you know. I, I. I think that you know. If you have that voice in your head saying that, oh, I'm going to stay in my comfort zone. I'm going to stay in the same place I am. Then that is really holding you back. And if you think that you want to work in a different environment, i.e., private dentistry, then do not think you're not worth it. I think with the the right attitude, anyone can do it. Yeah, I think you're right. Absolutely, and and that's why I said you could, because you know what the. The best and the biggest growth comes when you when you're inside the box. Always, I mean, you know, I've learned that in the last ten years. I've you know, I've been right on the cliff edge, and and somehow somehow pulled myself back from it. And I realized that's where the biggest growth happened because you're pushing your limits and potential. I mean, don't do silly things. Fair enough. But this is my favorite thing to talk about, Drew. If you're if you're if you're comfortable, you're not growing. You're not growing. You're not growing at all. And but this is the other thing about. So so I tell you a story and the story is of a dentist who worked in NHS dentistry within the UK. This dentist then moved back uh, abroad, back to their uh, home of abode where they had no uh, public health care based system. And right. this dentist messaged me and said, I'm not getting any patients. I don't know what to do. Uh, my bosses are not giving me any patients and I'm meant to be an associate here. Uh, and when they do give me patients, they don't help me. Um, all sorts of things like that. I said, yeah, because number one, in the UK, when you put that big board out there, NHS patients walk in. Yep, gets the punters in. So one of those challenges, but one of the challenges is, is if there was no NHS, you had to stand on your own two feet. You would immediately start learning marketing skills, you know, skills that um, 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 make people aware of your presence. Yes. The second thing she said is, you know, my bosses aren't giving me patients. I said, you will have to find all the patients. And do you know what happens as well? It's because this dentist had to find all the patients. When the patients come in, in an ultra, ultra competitive market, she has to have all the skill sets. So this dentist didn't have skill sets of implants or, or uh, you know, advanced uh, preparations. Now this dentist had to go on these courses. So what I suggest is, because otherwise the patients will go somewhere else, right? In those countries, you don't say, I'm going to refer you on, because when you say I'm referring you on, the patients go, this person doesn't know what they're talking about. I'm going to go to somebody yeah. better. Now, ultimately, so what when you talk private dentistry, it isn't about just patient quality of care. It's about the fact that you don't have that umbrella of the NHS anymore, um, which brings the punters in, or you can refer the you know people you don't want to treat. Ultimately, it grows you personally and professionally, and that means you're pushing yourself out of the box. So it is a mindset you need to have, and you had it. That's why I said you're ready for it. I I was not talking about skills. And and I appreciated your push in the back, you know. You 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 gave me the kick, and I needed that. And I think if if you're listening to this at the moment and you need that kick, 
go for it. You are totally worth it. Um, you, you know, if you're even considering private practice, you're probably someone who's really passionate about dentistry and you don't want the NHS to rule your life. Uh, and again, I, I'm not slagging off the NHS here. There's fantastic work done. But this is specifically for people who are considering it, but they're just in that final push. I think so. Go for I mean, it. I, we, we wouldn't slag the NHS off, but we know their constraints. And I think one of the biggest things that dentistry needs to do now is really grow. I think the situation is at that stage where if they don't grow, they'll be doing themselves an injustice at a certain level and they'll be doing the patients an injustice. That's ultimately what I think. So it's 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 yeah it's it's sink or swim in for the future I think so um, I wanted to talk to a few more uh, topics in particular one I'm going to get onto a short while is that when is the optimum time for uh, a new graduate or anyone to go into private dentistry uh, but before we get onto that um, I wrote down a few things which I th- I thought were important for me when I was um, making that transition into private practice some things that I sort of bullet pointed many years ago actually thinking right here are the things I need to focus on and it's things that my mentors taught me <clears throat> a lot of it Hap Gill taught me Corey Fran and lectures and whatnot and you know lots of these influential people uh, and, and and I'm just going to list them here Drew and you know I want you to add to this list if you can think of anything or we can expand on these okay so first one is um, investment yes. okay uh, and to me that's investment in um loops magnification illumination photography mm-hmm. okay uh it's courses so you can uh, advance your education so that you can you know not have to be a glorified therapist that so you can actually be doing proper dentistry you know um beyond single yes. tooth dentistry so that you can learn to diagnose so that you can learn to communicate so c- courses encompasses so much uh, and also uh, that feeds back to investment because the investment is also a significant amount of money i think I've spent, you know, ridiculous amounts of money, but I'm happy for it. I've seen my income grow, you know, year on year because of it. And I think investing in yourself, in your education is one of the most important things. Okay, so that's that comes apart and parcel of that. Um, the next one, uh, Drew, is having mentors. Okay. Um, being really good with communication with patients and also with clinicians. And the last one uh, is, which really helped me, was having a good portfolio. Yes, uh, I, I think, um, so it all ties in into a a long you know a story and there's one final piece of the puzzle that you missed or probably you had it but you didn't realize you had it are you enjoying the protrusive dental podcast well allow me to deliver you even more value you can now download the ios or play store app for free just search protrusive on your app platform now if you're a true protrusive and you want to support the podcast you want to claim cpd for all the listening and watching that you do you want to get access to exclusive clinical walkthrough videos to make dentistry tangible as well as a premium newsletter access to the protrusive vault and the ability to download all the clinical videos and podcast videos so you can view them offline later you can get all of that for less than 15 tax deductible dollars per month so what are you waiting for download the protrusive app now on ios or android for absolutely nothing we worked so hard on this protrusive team and i know you're just gonna love it now back to the main episode perfect no tell me this is this is amazing and, Go for and it. this is the puzzle right so the first thing i said is you've in fact uh, i'll say you 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 know two things at either end of what you said the first thing is the mindset if you don't have the mindset you can invest your life into things but you're not going to get the results out of it and when i say mindset you have to be ready to have that mindset that I'm going to do things that are challenging and it's going to be tough but worthwhile. The second is a mindset that, yes, I'm now going to make that change because I'm ready to grow. 
um, and, and doing things along those lines. Your mindset has to be the change comes from inside, not from outside. Oh, I can see a lot of people succeeding through Facebook dentistry. What are they doing? I'll do the same thing. Because a lot of people end up on uh, um, courses which are, um, you know, I'm, I'm going on a course about smile design or I'm going on a course that teaches me uh, how to correct teeth orthodontically and then put some composites bonding on and why are you doing that? Oh, because that's what gets the cash in because the others are doing. That's wrong. That's wrong. So the first step is a mindset. So that the big, big investment has to be on mindsets. And, and, and that comes from what you said, getting the right mentor and getting the right mentor. You know, your mentors are not just dentists who you, who you can. Many people think a mentor is somebody I can go visit and somebody will visit me watching treatments. And no. No, no. A mentor can be someone you can follow as well, who you've never actually met. That can still be a mentor. Would you agree absolutely, with that? Absolutely. 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 And and find the right mentors. But the, the strong investment is huge because when your mindset is correct, you know the path's going to be hard. You get ready to invest. And, you know, I'm still paying off my, my some of my uh, debts from years ago and whatever. But and, and I did the MCLIN dent. I was lucky the fees weren't high. And I won't lie, um, I, I got to a stage where I couldn't invest in my education. So instead, I invested in tubules and uh, got education through that. <laughs> you've, you've not only got so much education, you've educated so many others. So I'm so glad you took that step. So it's win-win. But you're, you're, then you invest in your education and you invest in, in the equipment which will enhance your education. Things like loops, things like magnification, things like... Uh, cameras, right? Oh, yeah. here's the interest. Because if you're in the right mindset, number one, number two, you've invested in education. And number three, your investment in equipment like cameras will loop it back to the fact that, hold on, let me take a, let me have a look at the um, pictures of the work I did. How does it look? Oh, it looks great. It looks brilliant. Oh, this doesn't look great. Suddenly you're educating and the loop between investment in equipment and investment in education closes up a lot more. Do you see? And yeah, then yeah. after that, you then move on to the stage where you think, you know what, I will find a mentor. And, you know, we have like Rob already, and I, I often sort of email Rob and say, I just did this case. And Rob sort of replies back saying, true, you're a nutter. Um, but you get feedback. And that's that's your mentor because your mentor can now see the results of your investment because your education leads to you doing things which your equipment is capturing for you to get feedback from a mentor. Yep. But the, the last key and the last loop amongst this is the community you surround yourself with. Huge. Now, you had tubules directors, tubules study clubs, whatever. You had a community. Oh, some amazing people. I'm, I'm not, I'm not even going to begin to name any because I know I'll miss some people out. But the, the people who are part of the d director group, honestly, have had such a huge influence, absolutely privileged. I mean, I'm, it's going to sound really weird, but I'm actually really privileged to be in the same WhatsApp group as yeah, some of these people. Exactly. But that's a community. That's, that's what I mean. So you, you, you're talking about two ends of the, you talked about the fact of invest in education, invest in equipment, have a mentor. But on the first side of that, chain is the fact that get the mindset correct on the last side of that chain is get the community correct involve yourself and get connecting with the right people there's a standard saying you are you know 95 percent of you is like the five people you can you know surround yourself with most of the time something 
Yeah, you are the average of the five uh, people you spend the most time with, uh, for sure. And you can you can have that professionally as well. So the five you know uh, people that you five dentists or whoever you spend the most time or you speak the most with uh, you know you'll be the average of that so you need to you know if you're stuck somewhere you need to up your game you need to be speaking to really um, passionate uh, empowering uh, clinically gifted people who can really you know lift your game just by being around them and absorbing like a sponge what they have to say so that that's a, an awesome point um, anything you want to add to that before I move to the next one um, I think that's that's to me the full key so first thing is get into a community second thing is get into the mindset then start investing i mean i get so many young dentists who come to uh observe me and i say yeah that's fine and if you're observing me you'll help me do you know how to use a camera no and i said that's the first thing you should have done you should you know spend time invest in an slr and use it so i will teach you how to use that first so you know it's it's that sort of improvement, but they at least have the right mindset to contact me and say, "Try to come and watch your work." I don't know how much they learn. Um, you know, they're better dentists out there than me. But if I can give them some sort of a boost of, uh, you know, energy, I'm more than happy to make them, you know, inspired. That's the right word, probably. And and that will help them to make their portfolio and and so on and so forth and up their game. So that's that's awesome. Correct. Um, so next thing is uh, what when is the best time? For someone, I'm, I'm just asking this like a rhetorical. I mean, we need to answer it, but you know, someone yeah. might say, "Oh, am I ready? When is the best time? How many years after dental school should I go private?" Um, I mean, you give your answer, then I'll, I'll I'll tell you what I think. Personally, I think um, um, maybe between two and three years is a good time to be. Three years, perhaps, is a, a decent time to try and think about the change. Now, the reason I say that is year one, invariably, you end up doing DFT. Most people do. Uh, there's, a, there's a handful of brave souls who've said VT isn't for me and gone down the extreme private, complete private route. And I think those are brave but good souls because they immediately you see their mindset is completely focused on quality. I mean that level of maturity. So you know, so that's a that's a level of maturity. You know, they've they've yeah. got they've made a bold decision and they've stuck by it. And I think, you know, the most of the stories I've heard, these people have uh, you know been doing well. And you know, I'm I'm really happy for them. But okay. that might not be a reality for most people. Certainly for me. Um, after even after df1 uh, i i don't think i was ready i mean i could i it's about being sort of like the jack of all trades there's no point in just being really awesome at composites and then not being able to remove teeth atraumatically section elevating you know how your surgical skills the sort of bread and butter needs to be good as well before you can you know really uh, be confident in practice because think i think patients can smell it patients can smell confidence yeah. in the way you come across the way you speak so if you've had lots of failures right then you know you're you're going to be stronger and better for it so sometimes uh, for, for me earlier on i cultivated lots of failures i don't want to talk about the number of times i perforated while doing mm. endo and i've done loads of endo and i and i do i still do loads of endo now and i've learned so much from those past mistakes i've made uh, so sometimes you need to be in a safe environment now, I'm not saying that you're allowed to perforate in the NHS. So you're not allowed to perforate in the private because that'd be ridiculous. What I'm trying to say is that you need to be wherever you are sort of honing your skills and you're going to be making mistakes and you have to sort of be careful you know, that you're, you're not um, biting off more than you can chew too early. I think you have to understand your limitations. You have to start simple. Uh, but, you know, like I was saying, how, when do you go? The first year is, is DFT. The second year is always either you remain as an associate where you are or you may decide to go into secondary care to do to uh, do 
DCT training, um, you know, and I, I encourage everyone to do DCT to, and especially Max oh, Yes, hospitals are bureaucratic and everything we said, but the the level of experience I got doing Max Facts restorative SHO was something I'll never, never, ever regret. Um, and it's normally two or three years after when you think, you know what, I'm ready to take that slow step. And and the slow step comes. In- Drew, can I just say, can I just say on that before yeah. you expand, because this is a really good, uh, good point, actually, to anyone, you know, young dentist listening, think about DCT. Not all posts are created equally, so speak to someone who's done that post before to find out if you're just going to be, uh, you know, um, just writing notes for someone, or you know, do you actually get to learn something? So yeah. it depends on who your consultants are. So not all posts are created equally, and and the second thing to to bear in mind is do DCT because you want to learn in that way. Don't do DCT because you want to avoid being in practice. Yes. That is a real reality. And I've heard it because I've been in two DCT posts where people have openly said, you know, whatever I can do to avoid practice, that's my goal. So this is why, you know, don't let, please don't let that be your main motivator for, for doing DCT. You're actually denying someone else's position who really wants to do it. Yeah, I think, look, it's a, it's a matter of fact, right? As humans, there are two reasons we do something. One is we move away from pain. And the second is we go towards pleasure. And moving away from pain is what these people are doing. The problem with moving away from pain, yes. pain is you don't know where you're going. Um, you don't know what your goal is. But I, oh, I, really, I really like how you describe yeah, it. And it's going, but it goes back to what we said initially about the chain mindset. If your mindset has changed correctly, you will be doing all these things for the correct reason. So the people whose mindset has changed, that was uh, one or two points before we were talking about it. That's the time they will go into DCT because they're doing DCT to move towards pleasure. And that pleasure is that I want to learn about dentistry. So your second point is very important. But I'm going to also talk about that first point where you said learn about the job you want and sometimes you'll be a pen pusher. I did work in a hospital where I could have been a pen pusher. Um, and I was doing that a lot. But even as pen pushing, it depends on how much you apply yourself, right? And I learned a hell of a lot working under consultants and registrars. So that's the first thing. But the second thing is that, and, and this is what I tell all the young dentists around, go above and beyond, please. I, when I was um, a MaxFax SHO, for example, I found out a young uh, there was a consultant in in one of the uh, other hospitals who was doing extra lists on on the weekend, on Saturdays, on Sundays, right? Who wakes up at silly hours of the morning on Sunday? But I decided, you know mm-hmm. what, I'm going to go and help this consultant because I know even if it's just watching, I'll pick things up. Um, and it, mm-hmm. you know, Sunday at seven a.m., I used to be there in the hospital, and uh, wow. and 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 um, initial, uh, you know, one or two weeks, I watched and observed, and I. Then the third week, when the consultant came in at eight o'clock and he said, uh, "Should we do the consents?" Then I said, "Don't worry, I've done them all, um, all sorted. You just need to go over them." And he was well, you know, he was taken aback because there was initiative here, and it so happened slowly but surely this consultant gained confidence or trust in me, allowed me to do procedures under GA, and at some points he'd say, "I'm running late. Do the easy cases." But it came to a point where he was so happy to let me just do it myself. And he said, Drew, I'm going to put you on on payroll here, please, because you're spending too many Sundays here. Um, And eventually I got a staff grade job for a while. But the situation is 
you had to go on a Sunday at 7 a.m. And most of the other people are thinking this. That's it. You you made something uh, amazing out of what could have been a, a really, you know, a pen pusher yeah. scenario for the rest of your career. So the hats off to you. And I'm going to give a similar story to what happened to me. So I was at uh, yeah. Guy's Hospital. I was doing the uh, oral surgery and restorative rotation. Okay. Oral surgery rotation pretty awesome pretty good some experience mostly you know mostly retracting yeah. but i learned so much from them that i'm happy to take out wisdom teeth surgically now um so in the restorative bit it was a bit quieter for every reason i don't want to get into it so um i wasn't doing it as much i could have just wasted that time away but instead i i used that six months to write the paper in dental update for for oh, yes. on bridges uh and i got a publication okay. out of it and i literally spent hours and hours and hours doing it so even though i was presented with um a lot of time where i wasn't doing the treatment i wanted to i i used that um you know time to to gain these skills i learned how to read papers i got myself published in dental update and that that's helped me and uh, improved me as a, as a clinician like big time so if you find yourself you know you're stuck or you are now in a dct position and it's not going your way you can make something out of it just like drew did just like i did i think anyone can and it just takes a few uh, you know a few minutes to sit down just yeah, think exactly apply yourself think uh all these sort of things need to happen and i mean you know it's uh it's it's all about mindset and getting ready to take that challenge from that mindset now this is what we ask people this mm -hmm. is what we say to people that don't just you know don't just follow the treadmill and I think half the failures happen in that or half the you know people who end up in the treadmill, I shouldn't call them failures, but when I say failures, I mean failure of growth happens in, in that respect when you're not. Uh, stagnation. Stagnation is probably the better word. When you're not, <laughs> <laughs> when you're not, you're not thinking beyond the box, you're not applying beyond the box. And, and you have to do that day in, day out in whatever you do. I mean, I, I probably do less of that in dentistry at the moment, more of that in tubules, perhaps. Uh, um, but I'm still doing it day in, day out. I'm thinking, where do I push the barriers? My, you know, my team think I'm mad, but that's an advice to everyone. And if you do that, you automatically find yourself growing. And if you automatically find yourself growing, you will just find that you want to then do things which are a, a higher quality, a better quality, whatever it is. And as a result, you find yourself, um, you know, delivering much higher patient care, which, you know, I'm going to do this privately. And you have the confidence, you have the energy to do it. And when we're talking about upskilling, don't forget, upskilling isn't just clinical dentistry upskilling is communication oh, no, no. skills and everything else that comes with it as well one bit of advice i i just you know randomly read on facebook from you know you sort of things that you just read on the comments is for every clinical course you do do a non-clinical course and I, I really like that um that philosophy you know i mean not that i probably do as many non-clinical as, as i do clinical yeah. but it's just that's how important non-clinical is as well uh, and to apply that so that's a very valid a very point uh, last thing Drew uh, one more thing to discuss now is there's these salaried posts going around about 35k uh, you get some mentorship um, you work about four days a week one day you shadow uh, what, what's your take on what's your take on that um, I think this is private practice yes it is and, and, and people have asked about it etc and like I say I think yeah, my take on those it all depends on the practice and what you want to achieve at the end of the day. Uh, some of them are very good practices. And for somebody to, you know, offer you that post and be a good mentor, 
I probably would jump at that opportunity because I think dentists have to get ready for the fact if they're not yet that you know salaries are not going to be high for a long time uh and and if you can get a mentor in a private practice at a certain pay scale 35k's you know it's a sensible money just go for it take it because you won't get a chance like that Drew, 35k i'm just want to stay, you know that that's still very decent money for someone who you know who's quite new out of dental school i mean come on guys i mean that's actually if you compare that to the uk yeah. average it's it's good so um i agree with you i think it's a, a good opportunity it depends on the reason why that post has become available. So if the post has become available because someone thinks they want to give back to a young dentist and mentor them and hopefully grow them so that then they can, you know, work and um, uh, to their best potential within that practice for the future with a long-term outlook, then great. But if it's out there and, you know, who knows how to gauge this, but if it's if that post only exists because a principal wants to shaft their patients out who they can't be bothered to treat or low-value patients so that you can just do some glorified hygiene therapy work, then that's not on. So I think you've got to do a little bit of homework I, and, uh, and, and suss it out. I think, out. again, you know, we, we say glorified hygiene therapy work, um, and, and this is not demeaning any hygienist or therapist because they do a great job. Of course and not. I, no. I tell you something, and, and this is something I have realized as well, is that, um, you know, even doing that sort of work, if in the right environment, your basic restorative skills can really shoot up, and ultimately, that's the foundation for good dentistry. So if you're doing, you know, what you call the hygiene work, suddenly your periodontal skills are shooting up. If you're doing the therapy work, your mm-hmm. restorative skills are shooting up. And then, uh, translate that to you'll get a good ability to build some solid cores for future crowns, or you'll have some ability to build some solid skills in communication and basic periodontal uh, treatment for patients in the future. Um, so even those jobs can have their own advantages. Uh, saying that, I'm, I'm obviously someone who finds silver lining in every running cloud. I, <laughs> but, you know, I think there's some, there's some serious benefit in that as well. The question is, what do you want to do and what do you want out of your mentor? And what does your mentor achieve? And all these sort of things come around. Um, and I think that's the important bit here. You know, even if, if they were getting basic, basic work, they're still, you know, you're, you're three, four years out of dental school. That's a job worth looking at. I mean, I worked in the middle of Wales where I knew nobody for three, you know, and I, I built a kind of uh, a, a, a sort of a, a life there. But I stayed in a practice where I could work six days a week because I had nothing else to do. But I had some good mentors and I had some really good uh, mm-hmm. support. Um, and it was an NHS practice. Um, it was a big NHS contract. It was it was sort of that time before there was FIFA item, then UDA. But we delivered some good quality care and I learned some really good skills. In fact, that's one of the things I'll tell young uh, dentists. If you're not tied down by family and, and, and other issues, you know, responsibilities, moving out of the big cities into areas where, you know, dentistry is really needed by patients, go and do a few years there. You just don't know. I mean, I spent three years in Welshpool. One of the best memories of my time come from there. Now, at places mm. like Lincoln or certain outreaches of Scotland, they're dying for dentists. You know, so many practices looking for it. And those practice owners will appreciate you coming there. And so many of them will even spend extra time mentoring you. And, and you know, people say, oh, oh sure, but my I'm friends sure. are in London. Listen, your friends are always going to be in London. But if you really are focused on building your career to a certain level, 
this is what we'll do. So even if you're being offered in the outreach is 35K with someone as a mentor, but go and find out the mentor skills. What what education has the mentor done? Yes. What are the mentor's interests? Because their interests are such do, do their values align with your values? <clears throat> Absolutely. Do their values align? Um, do their interests align? And if you can do that, you should know what? You, it's I'll jump at such an opportunity. I mean, I I kind of I would, did I it, would. and just you know, I what makes me think is so many people want to stay back. You know, they want to stay where they grew up or where they're comfortable. Oh no, but I know people around here, um, and I just think it goes back to it. Your best growth happens when you move away from your circle, um, and I think people need to do that. It's obviously not easy, but if it's easy, anybody could do it. So. Go for it. Get, and that's the only way you'll do it. Think out of the box. Extremely usually apply yourself. And maybe then you will find ways to develop yourself, grow yourself, and find the right opportunities to build a happy, successful, and satisfying career in dentistry. You know, that's that's my viewpoint. Amazing. That's that's amazing, and I want to finish with that because that's such a, a powerful thing to, to end on. Yeah. And uh, I, I think you know uh, there's a, a few little gems in there, but I think what I liked uh, the reason I I'm, I'm so glad I chose you to speak to speak about this topic because the extra dimension that you brought into this above and beyond what I sort of read out was the the whole mindset philosophy. And I think that's a take home message of this podcast that you can have the portfolio, you can invest in loops, you can get invest in the camera, you can go on all the courses, you can do. Um, the whole curriculums out there. You can focus on making your communication amazing. Your port, your portfolio will be uh, vast and, and and really diverse. But you really need to make sure that your mindset is in the right place. And that's what I think what I've learned yeah. from you today to to pass on to everyone. So Drew, thanks so much for for speaking on Protusive Dental Podcast today. You were awesome, and Thank I you. want to enc- everyone you know want to encourage everyone to become part of Dental Tubules. I mean. It's tax deductible. It's so cheap. There's hundreds of courses on there. What are you doing? If you're not on tubules right now, I mean, I mean, you know, if you're if you're thinking of being in private practice and you're not on tubules, then I, I see those as antagonists. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. No, it's not. A lot of people think it's CPD. Yes, you get CPD for it, but it's education. And CPD is a bonus, but it's about education and inspiring people to be the best that they can be every day we know a group of people our dentists our community of members help each other because we want to help each other to do exactly what we said get into the inspired mindset and if you're in that mindset my friend nobody can stop you to believe and do the best you can be ultimately that's what i believe awesome thank you so much drew yeah thank you i appreciate you inviting me Okay, guys, I hope you enjoyed that session with Drew. I think there's loads of great tips inside there. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it on Facebook or Instagram. Or write me a review uh, on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to, th- to this today. I just want to give a shout out to everyone working under the NHS, actually. I think you guys do a fine, fine job out there. Private dentistry is not all that it's made out to be. It's all about the mindset of the, the principle, mindset of the practice. And I hope you guys have success in finding the place that you really want to be at and you deserve to be at. So thanks so much for listening. Let's catch you in the next one. Thank you.